I remember that time where I was like, they asked me a really um, hard question and I just went, Kaya, what do you think? <laughs> just passed it on, handed it over. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Cool. G'day everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're chatting with Charmaine and with Cass. Hi guys. Hey. Hi, how are you going? Uh, that's a real, how are you going? Or it's like a yeah, why not? catchphrase. We're genuine people. <laughs> you really want to know? It's a hard time. We want to know how you're doing. <laughs> uh, good days and bad days, to quote my mate Katina Olsen. Um, but then perspective helps, right? And time, the idea of time and our relationship of what we can expect from it, that is ongoing. Yeah. I think the silver lining to this entire period is, is that it has provided a slightly alternate perspective on mm. what your life is without all these external things or these external goals it's just like what is my day-to-day existence and what really matters within that context what do you reckon yeah no no i would i would say the same it's been a bit of a crazy couple of weeks i think a couple of months actually we just realized yes nobody even knows how long (laughs) no no i know they all blur into it so let's talk about when we're finally going to be able to go and see live dancing again <laughs> and choreography. Uh, I came and saw your showing maybe February? Mm, no, it was December. December. December 2019. Okay. Just before Christmas, actually, I think. So do you want to just introduce, um, say, the conceptual anchor and the working title and some of the core team? Um, well, the working title... Um, is grey rhino, which actually is a term coined by this um, this an, an, a policy analyst. Um, I got a, I've got her name here just so that I make sure I've got it right. Michelle Walker. Walker. Got notes on the back of our hands. Yeah, yes. <laughs> just in case. Um, so she coined up this term after the 2012 Greek financial crisis, and so the idea of the grey rhino is actually um, it's. A metaphor for an impending threat, something that is quite um, obvious, mm. really present and coming straight at you, yet we all, you know, avoid or we just don't really do anything about it. Uh-huh. So, I mean, how fitting, right? <laughs> how, how very fitting is this? So, um, so it's, it's, an, it's an idea that this grow rhino is going to have a large impact, um, but somehow as humans, we just avoid it. Um, so it's not like, you know, a black swan, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the idea of mm. a black swan where it's quite, um, completely unique. unpredictable. Uh, yeah. Unpredictable. The idea about a grey rhino is that it, it's the evidence is there. It's visible. It's right there. And it's coming straight at you. Um, you know, but we, we just somehow don't seem to be able to, well, not seem to be with whatever it is. And mm. this is what we we were trying to discover, you know, we just kind of don't deal with it. Mm. Um, which, yeah, for us, I mean, Cass and I have been thinking about this idea for a few years already and, um, you know, the idea about climate change, that, mm. that's always a massive one because, you know, all the evidence is there yet. It takes so much more effort and maybe because it's not directly associated with you as a person, individually, me, it's a bigger concept. Um, somehow as humans, we all, all struggle to kind of do something about yeah, the hyper objects can be the least personal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that there's this this fascinating contradiction within um, the within humanity, and I suppose that our ability to cooperate on such a mass scale has helped illuminate a lot of what those contradictions are. So, yeah. you know, the fact that we've got this this capacity for immense empathy, um, but in equal measure. Um, complete selfishness and we all kind of I guess one of the things that we're trying to reveal within this Grey Rhino project is how that manifests within the single entity you know the singular human and so what it is on that scale that means that it can manifest then have such macabre ramifications when it comes to greater society. I mean I guess that's what we're exploring whether you know is it is it a selfishness or is it, I mean, partly that, or is it, you know, people, humans learn through experience, actual, you know, physical experience, because sometimes to understand it, it's really, if somebody says something to you that they experience, but you haven't yet yet experienced it for yourself, you can empathize, but um, it doesn't necessarily equate to you really understanding it. Then how do you think about these things in discussions and concepts and then take them into a studio with physical bodies and then start moving those bodies. I, th- I think it's like any art mm. really is that sometimes d- kind of due to everybody seeing everything and receiving all information through the armored lens that is their individual perception. Oh, yes. I think sometimes art's place is to find those um, hidden doors, yeah. which generally have to kind of be an avenue of abstraction, which is metaphor. And, you know, the, sometimes metaphor will, will not resonate with someone at all, but you potentially have the option or you you might strike gold sometimes and help find a different in for mm. somebody. Mm-hmm. And then via that different mechanism, the idea will resonate because like Sean was saying before, most of us are experiential learners mm. Um, hence why, you know, the older you get, the wiser you get. Hopefully. You know? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it's definitely the case for me. The only way I can learn anything is by experience. So I have to fuck everything up a million times and then through that, right. through those scars that I built, finally I kind of absorb the information. But um, And so I guess it's the same in this situation that we kind of had some in-depth discussions initially and then thought we kind of passed on some of our own points of view to the dancers that we were working with. And then we asked what was resonating to them about what we had discussed. And then through some of those discussions, we started to open up a few kind of improvisational scores and things like that. And then after that point in time, we decided we would kind of look at it in a more two dimensional form, which is what are the literal physical manifestations that we're witnessing. So you don't you don't start crafting the concepts anymore because now you have physicalization and now you craft the physicalities. Well, I think it's a it's a back and forth uh, process of drafting because yeah. I think having then seen what some of those physical qualities, uh, how those physical qualities were yeah. um, manifesting themselves, then we would start constructing within a scaffolding that we thought also helped kind of shed light on the idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, I don't know, I suppose one way you can put it is that it's, 
yeah, it's like a game of tennis between extreme abstraction and then trying to refine that into kind of a bit more of an accessible format that people can can understand what they're witnessing in a slightly more literal sense. And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of that back and forward um, creative process. I mean, it's hard to articulate and summarise. But, but it's like you're, you're dealing, when you abstract, you abstract from uh, the literal word-based rational into the physicalized empathy-based uh, emotional chemical system mm-hmm. of experiencing the world and then when somebody goes through that on stage the witnesser in the audience has an experience of the literary but via the chemical embodiment uh, absolutely yeah i mean I, th- I think that i think that's a really good way of putting it it's like by having those two parallel threads mm. Of um, like the, I think the structure in which the work is put together will kind of be a, a guiding hand in which can make sure that people don't get too lost in abstraction. Not that it's a narrative or anything like that, but you're yeah. kind of providing some form of a scaffolding that people's that your um, uh, what is it? I can, person that does at the front conducting. of the orchestra that you're conducting the audience's limbic system ah, yes. so that they kind of then have this more cognitive understanding right. somehow mm-hmm. of what the fuck's going on here I, I'm, I don't know, I'm speaking <laughs> shit now but <laughs> I would just make that sense anyway. yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to bring it down to the simplistic for a second mm. I mean, what we, what we started with was eight dancers that we never... I personally had never worked with any of the eight dancers before yeah. and those eight dancers had never worked together apart from maybe two of them or yeah. a couple of them who, who knew each other. Um, a lot of these these dancers were very fresh to one another. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting process of discovery and, um, uh, and exploration. So these improvisations was like um, discovering how how they interacted with one another, what their ideas were, their behaviours, um, and and using that in in making in making sort of uh, decisions about choreography or even even the, I think for me I see it really as a I see things a bit more like a visual sort of idea. So you know you see the this sort of isolation of one person or the or the the way you know these eight individuals interact. How can you how can you make a physical demonstration of this? Mm. Um, and um, yeah, so what was I going to say about that? I just lost my train of thought. Sorry, you're allowed. You're allowed to pause. Yeah, no, you I can pause. And I'm thinking pause. I will learn to pause as well. <laughs> Rambling on. Um, well, what was I going to say? Oh, is it? But yeah, to do with how you facilitated the 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 bodies to become physical with each other or yeah, yeah it was a it's, it was kind of like you know these individuals were learning about or we were learning about to, about them and they were learning how we work and then on top of that this is Cass and I's first sort of collaboration as well oh. so we hadn't um what's um, your type co co ad's co directors co choreographers co choreographers yeah. Yeah. yeah which was we were both a bit hesitant about it as well because you know i mean we've danced together before yeah. and that that's a whole other level um and but 
we live together. We live together. Yeah. You know, we're in a relationship together. We sleep in the same bed. Yeah. So yeah. it's it was a lot, and so you know, we were going, we we're thinking, oh my gosh, is this like, is this is this you know, like, is this going to be the end of it all? <laughs> <laughs> no, is this going to put us on another you know whole other level? Mm. But actually, what we found was that we had a really, really strong and cohesive um, partnership, which both of us have very different um, unique strengths and so we could play against each other in that in that sense and some and it, it was great because we didn't have that long actually for the development we only had in this little seed development maybe about eight days you know which isn't wow. in terms of what we made as well at the time that we made yeah. we you know we I think it was great that we had both of us because mm. you know two minds working together yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's any way that we could have like we were definitely on a mission because yeah. yeah. we put some of our own money into that seed development and yeah. with the knowledge that we were seeking further funding, but you just never know with these things. And So the dancers were there, everyone was getting paid, but some of it was coming out of your pockets. All of it was coming, All out, of it was coming out of yeah. our pockets. This was like, yeah. So we said to everybody, this but is eight our dancers. Yeah. yeah. So we said to yeah. ourselves, this is our little Christmas, because it was before December, rather yeah. than buying each other like Christmas presents or anything else, yeah. <laughs> or taking a holiday, we'll just, yeah. uh, you know. We'll just work. We'll work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll make a work together, yes. is what we thought. And we, it, look, it was an investment that obviously paid off, um, but ha- with the knowledge that we were putting our own money into it, and yeah. um, we really gave those eight days everything we had and like Sean was saying I think because there was the two of us and we're both despite having diff- different ways in which we might work we're both very driven mm-hmm. and so we we were pretty productive because yeah you literally had two people kind of being able to generate twice as much mm. not that it's twice as much choreographic material but um a lot of that creative navigation was fast-tracked because we had the two minds at work, I suppose. Not to mention the dancers we're working with, who yeah. are obviously minds of incredibly their creative yeah. people who contributed a lot. They you know, did. yeah. yeah. They yeah. were a dream. That was a really great environment actually to work in. It was yeah. very amazing. Yeah. What did you want to carry forward? Yeah. Yeah. And in, in like speaking in the language of the physicality that you discovered that you wanted to carry forward as mm-hmm. and how they were. Uh, something that you could that could carry forth the ideas and the concepts yeah yeah I mean there was more actually Mm. it's like with any new creation I think first and foremost you're trying to understand what the ingredients are right um, and then and what the identity of the work is Mm. and so that was our first mission this is our concept how do we kind of turn that into dance which is the ultimate challenge yeah. <laughs> is always really difficult because it's quite... And But I suppose that in saying that, our theory was that dance is kind of your most primitive art form in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, in there's other equal firsts, but, but it's, it is using your body. And so to kind of take this somewhat esoteric idea um, to translate it into something tangible... Uh, how do I say that? I think there's no better in than the human body yeah. to kind of um, translate an abstract idea. If you, because I don't maybe know. you're not talking about translating at all. You're talking yeah. about embodying. 
embodying yeah yeah, yeah it's definitely an embodiment yeah and embodiment. the process is a process of embodiment yeah. and then the crafting is to choreograph that into something f- to be viewed yeah. Thank, thanks matt yeah that's it that's exactly um, <laughs> but, like, like what what was the question before it was to do with how um what we're taking forward yeah so i suppose that our mission was to find what the ingredients are mm. and then i guess to kind of start to touch on some different scenes mm-hmm. for lack of a better term yeah that it's like you're kind of creating the scenes and then kind of getting a sense of well what what is going to sit well within within this on this same canvas but um but complemented in a, in a slightly different way like what different assets can we can we use to to fulfill something that hasn't been said within the previous scene that we've created and so we're not quite at a point yet obviously that we're constructing the entire work but we're trying to get multiple different um kind of vignettes i suppose there's usually a point that happens because I work a lot from improvisation as well and it's so easy to make so much but so much of it is irrelevant and then the process is to um, increase the signal to noise ratio so you're trying to get rid of the noise and then you can finally see what it is Um, and do you so do you know what it is what those are I mean we're getting I think we're getting an idea after that first little seed development i think we it became clear i mean it's a bit hazy now but definitely it 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 became clearer straight away after it um i think those scenes actually uh they kind of are a little bit of a reference of people's behaviors maybe different behaviors i find maybe and that's maybe where so i think the the scenes themselves, though they might be abstracted, they've come from a certain type of um, idea about how we behave in relation to this grey rhino effect. Nice. I think that's – so, you know, there's the sense of, um, you know, avoidance. So that, that, that word itself kind of instigated a, lot, a whole bunch of movement, which then maybe became – you know, we, we picked and chose and then – created some sort of uh, feeling of a scene that has this sort of sense of feeling of avoidance or um, and then you know another another type of thing where it was like this kind of mass greed or something so there was these key words which created um, the stimulus for a, a sort of scene I want we say scene but it's it's not a scene it's a vignette but then with these vignettes we tie them together we 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 sew them together into something that just kind of takes the audiences what we're what, what I can imagine right now is taking an audience through this journey of maybe an, their own experiences of of how they react to a grey rhino or what the different stages are that that people go through maybe and the so yeah. like like you were saying before Matt as well in terms of you know creating content is the easy part and for me the most satisfying um, part of the creative process is no not the most satisfying <laughs> generally the hardest part of all but the most important part of the creative yes. process because okay. mo- probably the most satisfying is often just the generation but is the most important part is what Sham just referred to, which is the sewing together of the parts. Okay. And I think within that, which is yet to come, within that phase of the creative process comes um, the refinement of the, the true idea, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 
and what yeah finding that in that is most likely to resonate with people Mm -hmm. you know and how you get all these different pieces of the puzzle that we've created and turn it into one entity that seems whole but touches on multiple different facets of this grey rhino concept and but coming back to the vignettes thing I mean you may think differently and I think I think within this creative process it's totally reasonable that both Sharma and I have different interpretations of different scenes Mm. um, because everybody in the audience will Mm. and so I think that's already true even when we were creating initially that we probably had different senses so for me one of the the largest things that you would have seen, Matt, which is the big group section, it's like I always saw that as um, it's like the onward march of humanity's gluttony, (laughs) you know. So it was kind of like this, the the soundtrack, it kind of had this repetitive, um, well, we always said it like it was um, like a Christmas song. That turned (laughs) turned into this kind of orchestral brass symphony. Mm -hmm. Um, But... But a lot of the motifs that were within that stuff that we created was, yeah, I suppose gluttony and they were kind of using their hands and they're like bathing themselves in greed. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that, the, the movement and that repetition is just like this onward trajectory of humans and humans' consumption mm-hmm. without, um, without pause to reflect on what the consequences might be. And, and that's a very, very literal interpretation. I mean, it is... It is abstracted, but that's always what I saw in that scene. And, and Sean might have had different feelings. And I'll just touch on one other scene. There was also the duet that you might have seen. I always saw that as, um, like the kind of the the two gluttonous empresses. You know <laughs> that it's like this is the operatic one that they're kind of. Um, of course, it's then layered with stylistic qualities, but it's yeah, they're they're the the epitome of, epitome of indulgence, mm-hmm. these two figures. Um, but it was a while ago, so I probably need to think <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess thinking forward, f- for me, um, it's definitely the continuous, like the the generating, and then also the the um, the choosing and the and the and then the sewing together of bits. But I think also a, a huge part for me is also a little bit of the visual element of it. Um, in terms of, I have this idea in my head where I, I hope maybe we'll see if we can find the money for it. But uh, a set which is a key part of the whole look or the whole feeling of um, this work that, you know, that, that um, gives the audiences a sense of this, uh, this, this actual grey rhino phenomenon, like this thing that's here and ever present coming, but yet we just, uh, so, okay. So my idea for a set is just this, you know, one, we're yet to know what, what to use, but if it's this, uh, what do you call it? Like Imagine a, like the, a, the garbage, system in the first star wars gosh that's a bit no no, i don't even remember that what's that one garbage i'll let you articulate sean but in terms of the The walls keep closing yeah the walls keep closing in yeah Yeah. the walls are coming in the wall is coming in i guess it is a wall a visual element of a wall very simple very simplistic but and roof and roof a roof yeah that just keeps coming lowering down lowering down and you know the dancers continue on 
dancing we all keep going we all just you know in the face of this grey rhino we just keep going until eventually it's on top of us and we just have to deal with it you know so um there's a real for me hope i'm i'm trying to picture this this uh sort of uh surface roof that that comes that looks solid and then comes and continually throughout the whole however long we make the work you know hopefully it's a one hour work or or a little bit less uh, full length work um but that has a uh you know you see it okay you see it in the first instance but then you kind of forget about it as the work goes along Mm. you know you forget about it and that's much like the you know seeing how we all deal with this idea of gray rhinos um but it just keeps coming and coming and coming until the very end. It is on top of us. Mm. And how do we deal with that? That's So I think that's for me. I mean, that's me jumping the gun and I'm like, yes, let's think about it's, set. It, let's it, think about it, it all. Has, it has already influenced <laughs> it. it. Has. You know, the initial image with that's everybody. It. Like that was taken into account, that initial image with everybody looking, looking up, up to the ceiling. Yeah. The ceiling and this concept of just observing the impending roof. Yeah. Um, and it slowly compressing you mm. without you kind of consciously um, processing it. It's mm. like it's physically manifesting that this is occurring to the dancer, mm. um, but they're not they're not showing a, a conscious awareness in their face. It's just happening, and and I mm. suppose that's it's true. It did come out in the material that absolutely. we made up. Yeah, that's, it was a thing very, that we already were thinking uh, yeah, of. I mean, yeah, or everybody just adapts. Yeah, everyone adapts. Going. Exactly. Everyone adapts. Everyone merges. And yeah. Bit, sorry. No, I was no. just going to say one of the nicest, because it's alarming, poetic uh, that I've heard about the uh, ongoing human usage of the planet is that it's it could be boiled down to a process by which that which is not human gets turned into that which is human. Mm. And that that is that is the point of humanity expand on that so grass is not human but we can't eat that directly so we'll let the cows eat it and then we'll eat the cows and then all of that has become human yeah and the forest that we can't farm in we'll turn it into grass and then we'll then or we'll turn it into cane fields and then we'll eat the cane and then that which was not human has now mass i'm just thinking about mass in general and now you can even get um cricket like in insect crickets, protein bars in petrol stations on the like the <laughs> on yeah. the impulse items yeah. section, yeah. and so now we we that is that is a industrial process by which we can turn that mass that insect mass into human mass mm-hmm. on the earth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we I, we just want to claim all the territories, don't we? And Everything. See it become <laughs> yeah. ourself. Yeah, it's the like the Red Queen. Or... Definitely, I, th- I think what goes with that is that the society's arrogance that we can innovate innovate our way out of anything. Yeah, so know? far, well, so far well, we're benefiting from that. Yeah. Oh, no, and no, no, no doubt, and he- hence why that hypothesis is there. Yeah, but exactly. I, but I suppose, um, yeah, that's why you know this idea of things like the impending walls yeah. without being aware of it is just, you kind of there is this and obviously there's a huge amount of activism throughout the world that you need to take into account but in terms of a lot of societal structures and, and corporate powers in inverted commas right um 
there's just a taken for grantedness that it's like you're being naive. Yeah. We can do anything. Just go on, keep consuming, go on with your daily lives because yeah. we're going to figure it out. We're going to build these structures to absorb the carbon out of the atmosphere. And so no need to change anything about the way you're living because we're smart enough. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was like you, it, all of our heating and cooking and lighting was powered by whale oil mm. and then whales were dwindling and then we yeah. discovered crude oil. Yeah. And now crude's having this incredible impact and also eventually it will run out. Yeah. And so then we'll switch to solar. Yeah. And so each time the walls get pushed back a bit, but yeah. they never stopped creeping in. Yeah, so we can push them back, but they it's like there's a continual creep in based purely on um, regardless of uh, moral standpoint mm-hmm. or intention, mm-hmm. just based on uh, scale. Mm-hmm. The, the scale at which the human race continues to grow (laughs) means that any small thing that any small people does, it's which I guess is what happens in um, a chorus, right? A whole, you get 10 people scratching their face Mm -hmm. subtly. There's a massive movement. Yeah. Mm. Which I guess is why you have a large cast. Why, why so large? Yeah, I think that's why. Well, is it why? I don't know. I think we all, (laughs) I think you can do a lot with, with body, I mean, you know, oh, what is it? At, at some point, I guess the number of um, people you have in yeah. a space, they become something more than just a, one single person. Mm-hmm. There's something about having multiple people in yeah. a room that's just doing doing movement. It just creates its choreography already, I suppose. Where do you think that yeah. switches over? Like, what, at what, think, what number? Is yeah. it a magic number? Because I'm thinking even when I <laughs> yeah. saw... 10 years ago when I saw you in underground mm. and I'm thinking, oh, there were five or six people, but still yeah. you were people to me. There was yeah. never a chorus. Yeah. I think seven. I think it's seven. <laughs> I've always thought that watching works that you get or creating works that mm. the magic number seems to be seven when it becomes more Maybe. than like a larger ensemble right. work. Um, and the choreographic, um, you know, what you can do visually, mm. there's a whole different, I, I'm sure there's, there could be some mathematical formula to explain why that is yeah. that I don't know about, but it's like it does become a different... You have different tools that you can use when you have that many people for some right. reason. I don't, what do you think? And it can yeah. go into the yeah. same mathematical yeah. canon of what a, how many people do you need for a village to run effectively yeah. and yeah. how many people do you need for a Mars colony to sustain itself yeah, exactly. and, and how many people do you need so that, so that you can fill a stage with mass rather mm. than yeah. with individuals. Yeah. I mean, you know, and coming back to the initial question, I, I think that, yeah, us choosing to have the eight people as well as just liking the idea of working with a, a large group of dancers yeah. I do think it gives you more of a sense of kind of this microcosmic society. Nice. You know, mm. that it, there's like, there's yeah. a, this is society. Whereas, like you say, when you refer to underground, it's like, if it was a group of five, which would make much more sense financially for us, <laughs> um, it's, it is more like you're kind of looking at a bunch of friends or yeah. there's, it's almost like the, the relationships um, within that group yeah. have to be so clearly defined. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this kind of larger group, although it, it we we will advocate for individual identities. Absolutely. But it it's comes like in it's and this out collective, of it. Yeah. The sense of the collective is a very, very different experience. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Sorry, no, no, no. I was agreeing with you. 
yeah, it kind of you can go in and out from seeing an individual and then seeing a group. So I think that play for me is a is a important part of the work. I think so. You see the individual ways of how to deal, how to adapt, but then as a collective, how do we, you know, we all just follow along as well, you mm. know. So that was the idea. Um, what about uh, aesthetic inspiration? So you've quite, we're quite grounded in concept and then physicality, but at the eventually you'll be presenting something for people to look at. Mm. And so I imagine that there are reference points that you might want to let us in on that give that are that are, inspire you. Um, I don't know films or photography books or other artists or the Olympics that are not happening now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, aesthetic. I guess, I mean, we both come from really different dance aesthetics. I mean, I, I, I mean, Cass came from a ballet background actually. And I came from a contemporary, he doesn't like to, to reveal that sometimes do they I'll I'll own it (laughs) I'm a contemporary person (laughs) it's like you're more contemporary than I am I've now earned my stripes as a contemporary person contemporary (laughs) creator or dancer yeah Yeah. and and you came from like a crumping background (laughs) (laughs) Sean's from the streets I'm the the rich boy (laughs) from the east side or some shit like that no okay yeah that's really that's really bad (laughs) no okay aesthetics um I think I don't know, we do have we, our our aesthetics um overlap somewhat but then we do have different definitely different um uh styles or not styles just quality or whatever we're kind of focused on or interested on is different of course mm. um but um for me I think what is it I mean I think I like, I don't know if this is going to be just ridiculous to say, but I like movement that is just embodies something, an idea. It doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, is that true? I'm not sure if that's true. Well, I'm thinking about. I do say that. You do say that all the time. I say that a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. But even your duet that you choreographed for Newbreed, that was, that was, seems like it was aesthetically driven. Yeah. You saw it and you um, made it and you crafted it based on what its form was going to be, not so that it could be a, a, a proxy for something else. Yes. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you with that. I don't know what else to add to that, but yes. Let me think about Cass. What do you think first? Ah, I'll have a think. <laughs> there we go. Throw the question over. Oh, it, it's, it's a tricky question. I mean, I don't. I think maybe we're both in the same bag in terms of, like, it's hard to pinpoint specific inspirations that we draw from or heroes or whatever those kind of references might be. I think it's just making sure that you're always open mm-hmm. to absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I guess between us, in terms of this creative process, we have enough. Um, there's enough content that seems to just kind of come out of our subconsciousnesses um, that it's, it's just kind of a marriage of both of our instincts, I That's guess, nice. you know, that we've yeah. come, we've come to the, we've come to this agreement that this is a work that we want to create. And then 
when we then when beginning the creative processes, we just follow our instincts and continue to communicate with one another mm. about how that idea resonates with that person, how that way of working is working for the other person. Um, and then like, you know, those diagrams of a good collaboration, you got the two circles that overlap and in the middle is what Grey Rhino is going to be. You know, it's like, it's, and we just kind of constantly try and push those circles further and further, closer and closer together. So that overlap is really harmonious, but I think it is, you know, I think that you first and foremost, just making sure that you kind of lubricate the actual creative process, which is done by communicating constantly Mm -hmm. and talking to one another. And then within that framework, just going with your instincts and, and really using the resources, which are the artists that we're working with, you know, keeping them as, as active participants in the, in the process and the creative investigation so that you kind of, we can all kind of make something that's greater than the sum of our parts. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. I was thinking what you're talking, <laughs> but, um, I'll, um, the other, well, yeah, the other thing I was thinking as well is just, um, I mean, I think we're both drawn to works, dance works or any kind of work, really, any t- type of um, uh, creative work that really, really just um, pushes for, is, is just non, uh, is just, uh, what am I saying? We'll push for one sort of really key idea or really everything is so well thought out because it revolves around one thing or it's not it's it's not afraid to be one thing or afraid to be uh what am i trying to say <laughs> not afraid to go somewhere with an idea i suppose is that what i'm saying it, i'm i guess what i'm trying to say is the works that i get drawn to are uh ones that the marriage of ideas the expression of it um, the concept, the, the the articulation of it, all just um, cohesive? are cohesive, mm. maybe, and that's always maybe. So when we sort of select an aesthetic of it, we're always just referring back to maybe this idea of what we're going, but we, where we started from, this grey rhino, this idea. And so anything we choose is not because, like you said, it's not because of um, you're putting it on to something else. It's because it comes from there, which is what any sort of art process, any sort of process is creative process. It's drawing sure. back from the concept. But I guess, what am I trying to say? I mean, I, I what think, do you think I'm trying to say? Well, <laughs> I'll say two things that like, what one, maybe you want to edit that one. Sorry. One, I've, I've had plenty of, <laughs> I've had plenty of rambles that were very embarrassing that I'm hoping will be edited. Um, but uh, yeah, two things I'll come back to maybe, <laughs> two differences between Sharma and I in, yeah, in one yeah, second. Yeah. But before that, just, I don't know if it will answer your question a little bit more adequately, Matt, that we, we want to create, um, for lack of a better term, like a product, you know, a creative outcome, which is an entity mm-hmm. that can be experienced. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily a creation that, um, has no boundaries to itself you know it is a show which has integrity mm. first and foremost we want to make something that comes from an authentic place but we're trying to create a, pro- a production mm. <laughs> um, and 
And one of the things that I think we both obsess over is the craft that goes into that, whether it be creating a film or creating a work for stage or creating an artwork on a canvas or whatever it might be, or a, or a song or a symphony. It's the craft that it's that decision to, to um, execute um, the creation of an entity and then the craft that goes into executing it. Mm. And so then just to come back to the, they're not necessarily differences between Sharma and I, but perhaps they're two different strengths that we both possess. And so I think Sharma was really, um, was touching on something that you're very good at, which is, you know, staying, trying to continually come back to the authenticity of how the concept is resonating within the, within the body or within the work. And, um, kind of maintaining the wholeness of the idea. And then one of the things that I think I obsess over is how you then play um, your viewer or the experiencer of the work, how you play their limbic system, how you find these abstract um, pathways into their subliminal mind to make them feel something mm. and whether that be um, kind of the visual, how you, how, how we visual, what we do choreographically with the dances in space or whether that be how one scene is able to merge itself into the next scene and then what that, what we're then able to access mm. within our audience by doing it that way. Because I think the way that anything is pieced together, it's like creating a meal mm. you know the same ingredients can taste disgusting if you cook them the wrong way mm-hmm. but if you kind of and i you know i do that all the time because <laughs> i bloody rush through it but and so i know firsthand <laughs> but if you take the time and you put the oven on the right temperature yeah. and you use the right ingredients and put them in the dish at the appropriate time and so on and so and forth. Seek the right counsel from ex- other people. And maybe you can read a recipe <laughs> which once again i don't do um then then that creates an incredible dish. Mm. And so it's just that understanding of how to use ingredients mm. to kind of to create something that can truly resonate. And that's something that I probably obsess over myself, but I'm going to stop talking for a second. I think we might have just like gone off on your question, but I'm going to try to bring it back to aesthetic, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think aesthetically we're both interested in um, – highly physical being being highly physical because i think that's just how we've been dancing ourselves so we love to see the move of body inspires you yeah i imagine that it's part of the canon that you see yourself within Mm. the development of experience by how physical the body is yeah yeah absolutely so that's a huge that's a really strong important um part for us we're highly the bodies need to be highly physical um and Articulate, I guess mm. that's it's incredibly articulate, incredibly um, detailed mm. in maybe other, um, just even the way you know you you might move your your elbow in a certain way, or the way the the, oh, the textures of it, the, the textures of the body. Sam Hines was just mm. rocking side to side on mm. her ankle ligaments. Mm. Like she wasn't actually moving mm. anything else. It was just that very small amount, and mm. then that was rickish like that was a tr- a tremor that mm-hmm. started being felt mm. and i imagine 
that not only take and and what happened is that it wasn't the move it was an experience yeah it's yeah. the experience which That's is it. everything yeah which, which is, is everything. everything which is what i guess we're coming back to it if we can like <laughs> summarize it all <laughs> it's like you know you got to dance as physical body yeah. we we you know it's got a, a huge capacity to do a lot of different things yeah. you can be highly trained physically as a dancer mm. but then we'll, i think both of us love the idea that you know you've got this highly trained physical dancer but that can also merge the differences between what is pedestrian what is movement what is what is a dance move mm. and then what is a sequence of moves in t- mm. and trying to to blur all those boundaries to make the experience a really holistic one mm. articulating the idea of this kind of gray rhino right so you yeah. have the the pedestrian movement and the abstracted mm-hmm. movement but and that on that axis you also have the individual and the mass yes and yeah, then yeah. you have the a representational and the uh, the embodied yeah. that is not a proxy for yeah, anything else. Exactly, and with all of these, trying to not make huge differentiations between them, yes, but to make them actually cohesive mm. and and accessible. Mm. So it's not just a dance work; it's a it's an experience for both the audiences and the dancers. I guess that's yeah. the, that's the the responsibility of being the choreographer is that you know that what you're making needs to be danced by the dancers, but it needs to be viewed by the audience. Otherwise, yeah. Like I have other projects that are just for the dancing and just for the dancers. Mm. And I know that my responsibility in that situation is to facilitate the doers, not to facilitate the viewers, Mm. but this is different. This is a production to be viewed. And the, I guess let's, I guess what that means is, and I, is that what is your biggest hope for everything that you're doing? Like, what do you hope that what you're doing is doing? Mm. I think definitely what we hope. Oh gosh, it's, it can it's be like, super. It can be like your entire life of dancing as well, <laughs> and it can be your physical training, and it can be uh, your hobbies or the way that you live or the way you run a studio space, or it can be the fact that you work on with stage. Or. I mean, I hope, am I answering this question right? I hope, if I say, we hope that it's... Uh, <laughs> you know, that all of that is still in the podcast. <laughs> I know, yeah, no. um, do you have something straight on your head? Well, what, what, what? I, I, I'll probably deviate. It could be for in choreography in general and for yeah. crafting mm. in general. For putting something into the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've shifted probably my perspective on on that question quite a bit over Older the last ten years. Well, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Or or just um, or I've just experienced. I've I've had more burns, <laughs> you know, that have kind of wisened me up. But it's yeah. um, my personal ambition. I can't speak for you, Sham. Is just to kind of continually search out um, better ways of expressing Mm. myself Mm. and what I feel and how I view the world and what I'm interested in. And so all I personally really want for this work is to try and um, to put everything I I have into it in the hope that it can... um, be somewhat of an adequate 
explanation of how I think about the topics that we're exploring, um, it, the aesthetics that I'm interested in, mm. and the compositional styles that I am interested in, and that that in turn can just resonate with other people, you know. And so it's just for me, it's just an. Exp- it's not that we're trying to be didactic and like say to people the world is fucked and hopefully you can learn from our work. It's like, this is us trying to express a point of view mm. that we hope can resonate with people. Mm-hmm. Cause this is just an expression of our minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if you feel differently, Sean. No, I, I, I would agree. Like yeah. the only thing that we could hope, what I think we could hope for is we can tour the work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that too, yes. that too. But I mean, I think, you know, when we were thinking about it, the idea is to to communicate with people and to hopefully, like you said, have, have people maybe um, moved by the work to maybe consider then how they necessarily deal with this, this concept of grey rhinos, these ideas of, you know, climate change or not, not even specific uh, or even this, you know, this COVID-19 thing. Um, but it's not even about the specifics of, I guess we didn't want to, we didn't want to focus on like, you know, um, pushing an idea of like everybody needs to recycle now. Everyone needs to get going with it, but it's to illuminate maybe our, how we are as humans, who we are as humans and, and, and to, um, to kind of to access the sort of connections between people to 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 um, express something and hopefully audiences are able to kind of gain something from it to be entertained but also not entertained I mean yes to be entertained but um, to be also inspired to think about about things or inspired to kind of um, you know. Uh, consider themselves how they how they how they are mm-hmm. or who they are mm-hmm. maybe just you know yeah i think it's just a really simple idea but i think that's the key for me anyway yeah. that's my like yeah and i think like any any good creative output if that can come from a place of authenticity then you're generally more likely to make something that will resonate with other people because, you know, a lot of people have a radar for bullshit and that, you know, you can easily create stuff that is catered for other people and it may have, it may be successful still, but um, I think a lot of, I'm not trying to be pretentious when I say this and say that the work we're creating is superior. We don't to other even know what it's going to be all. like yet. I'm more, I'm more just saying the point that it could I'm be trying, terrible. The point right. that I'm trying to make is we're just trying to be true to our own ideas. Yeah. In the hope that that authenticity and trying to get as much authenticity out of the bodies mm-hmm. and performances of the dancers that we're working with, um, that you can access. A, a large number of people mm. and yeah and make stuff that connects with them mm. um yeah basically we just want to make a good work that people like <laughs> and that people connect to 
Yeah, that's what I say behind closed doors <laughs> when, the, when the mic's not on. <laughs> We're hoping that it's going to be a good one. We don't know. Well, we hope for... Well, yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I promise we don't take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything I haven't asked or any um, epiphanies that you've epiphanies. had throughout your illustrious careers? Epiphanies. Um, well, I think it was a surprise that we worked so well together mm. in the studio, actually choreographing together. I think that was kind of surprising for both of us. Um, I think, did we have any tiffs? I don't think so. We had a couple, but Sham's got a short term. <laughs> It's, oh, it's to a me, it was great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that was a surprise for me. Yeah, it's definitely it's quite an interesting experiment for us to work together in this way because mm. we we do have quite different personalities. Um, yeah, and and so it was a bit nerve wracking entering into it, but I think we could see what the other person's strengths were and so we thought that it was a worthy experiment because if we could make the most of the assets that the other person possessed then we could reap the benefits of it mm. but look i think moving forward we'll do we we just can i'm just gonna <laughs> say this again we just keep communicating because <laughs> it's so i think it's so easy to kind of in any creative process to get swept up in your instincts mm. And because that's when a lot of the best stuff happens, I think, when you just you just kind of do something and then eventually in a couple of weeks from then you look back on it and say, oh, that five minutes of the two hours of improv that I did, that was good. And um, so it's really helping while, while follow your, following your own, own instincts, it's just so important that we then also support the other, other our collaborator being our fiance, um, <laughs> to have that same experience mm. so that we can then reflect on it later. And that's mm. something that we always said in the studio. Yeah. Maybe I said it more often. You did. You <laughs> kept reminding me. Whenever like, uh-huh, we kind of uh-huh. got into it, like, like it wouldn't be a heated conversation, but we would start to have, in a, have a it, slightly... Entrenched, maybe. Entrenched conversation <laughs> that was being a bit obsessive about specific things and, and particularly in the front of the dancers. <laughs> I'd, I'd always say... And it, it was fine. It, I think we it actually was, never had it in front of the dancers, It was though, very did we? civil. Oh, no. I think it was, for example, like we were choreographing something and then you and I were having a bit of a conversation about what could happen and if the dancers were there, I think we'd always say, let's have a chat about this tonight. Um, when we can kind of objectively reflect on it, you know, yeah. and I think that is the most important thing yeah. that in the studio, we just do stuff mm. and mm. we kind of took it in shifts a little bit. Mm. Sham will do something for a bit. Mm. I'll do something and we'll support each other to follow our instincts. And then we get home and we kind of have that reflection and the, and then we have those conversations and because both of us have more objectivity once it's in retrospect anyway. Mm. Um, and so that process is pivotal for us kind of to have a, the most civil process, but be um, kind of, yeah, reap the benefits of our strengths, yeah. I think, which is kind of like let the inner superhero come out and support it. The other, <laughs> the other person's inner superhero. That's weird. If we're finishing there, I'm embarrassed about the last thing. <laughs> but the embarrassment is is only because of what you're saying, where you're doing the reflection and criticizing at the same time as letting the instincts speak on their own behalf. Absolutely, that's yeah. right. Yeah. No, well, I mean, in terms of other epiphanies, I don't know. Is there anything else that I 
It was a great team. Of it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really wonderful and, to and have. Sorry, I don't want to overspeak, but like you, when you were mentioning Sam before <laughs> Matt, um, yeah, we're, I think very quickly when we started working with the group of dancers, we did realize how authentic a lot of the their um, what authentic artists a lot of them were, you know, and because I just yeah. think that Sham and I live by the idea that once again a comfortable performer puts an audience at ease Mm. a performer that believes in what they are doing Mm. and is at ease with whatever they're expressing you kind of 90 percent of the way to kind of help an audience member Mm. feel the same way and and so that was really a luxury to work with some of these people that they just make it so much easier when you're not having to, having to kind of bring that out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just bring that to the table, a sense of integrity, yeah. Yes, Cass. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have anything to add to epiphanies or anything. Do you have anything for us, Matt? Do you want you? Um, How you going? <laughs> back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, back to the beginning. <laughs> uh, no, I think there's always so much to consider and that all you ever do is get brief respite when you think you've worked something out. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at it again, you're yep. like, oh, I fooled myself into thinking that I understood this. Yeah, oh, that's going to come. <laughs> and, that's going to come when we come back and to it. I love, I love the 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 moment of truth of taking action that it it reminds you that it recalibrates your feelings of how deeply you understand something oh, 100% yeah after all of that we're going to listen back at this and we'll be like we were talking I shit I can't listen to that <laughs> yeah. but, it, but I think that is su- such a part of the creative process of yeah. you kind of let you got to let your naive self run, roam free yeah yeah, and then reflect and be like, Ugh. a little bit embarrassed. Okay, yeah, and now I got to deal with that. But there was something in there, yeah. and I'm going to expand upon that thing. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, you got to let it happen, and you got to get a you little bit try. You just got to try. You just got to try. Just go through the motions. Yeah, yeah. You just got to give it a go. <laughs> Thanks, team. All no right. Thanks, Matt. Woo.